James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. It is Saturday morning, hour two and hour number three of our weekend show, the first one. First hour is on Friday at four o'clock. You are welcome to join us. The telephone number 800-848-WABC, 848-WABC, 800-848-922. We have, of course, a lot to discuss, beginning with the sad news of two police officers, one dead, the other fighting for his life in a New York hospital this morning. This is a continuation of what we have seen not just in New York City, but around the country, crime spiraling out of control in every blue city in America and giving the sense to this nation that we are living in an unsafe country and an unsafe time. The incident that happened in Harlem is one that should disturb every single citizen of goodwill. It is tragic beyond belief. We have a young police officer, Jason Rivera, 22 years old, 22 years old, a rookie police officer, 22 years old. He is still in many of us that have been fortunate enough to live a few decades on this earth. He's still a young man, a child almost, just his beginning of his life still should be ahead of him. Instead, he is now dead. Officer Jason Rivera. His partner, Wilbert Mora, 27 years old. They respond to a domestic dispute in Harlem, and they are ambushed. The alleged killer, LaShawn McNeil, LaShawn McNeil, 47 years old, kicks down a door, ambushes, open fire. LaShawn McNeil was on probation for a 2003 felony narcotics conviction in New York City. Aside from that, he has four arrests outside of New York City. One in South Carolina for unlawful possession of a weapon. Another in Pennsylvania for assaulting a police officer in 2002. A felony drug charge. A misdemeanor narcotics charge. And yet, here he is in New York City, armed to the teeth with a gun that was believed to be stolen from somewhere. And our new mayor, Eric Adams, by the way, let us be really clear about this. In days and decades previous, if you killed a police officer, it was almost assured you'd end up in Sing Sing, Ossining State Prison in Sing Sing, and you'd sit down in the little chair and they'd turn on the switch, and that would be the end of your life at some point. Right now, we have a district attorney in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, who won't even commit to a life sentence with no parole, which means that if the district attorney in New York is serious, <clears throat> this happened in Harlem, which is in the borough of Manhattan which falls under the jurisdiction of Alvin Bragg. If the new district attorney is serious, this man, if he is found guilty of killing Officer Jason Rivera, 22 years old, and wounding his partner, 
Wilbert Moore at 27, this man with multiple convictions won't even face a life sentence with the possibility of no parole because Mr. Bragg feels and thinks that that is too harsh, that there is no crime worthy of a life sentence without parole. Now, Mr. Bragg is out on a PR tour. He had a meeting the other day with business leaders around the city and took their questions and tried to deflect from the intent of his original memo, and he's trying to dress up. He had a nice meeting with PR people, crisis PR people, and they're trying to tell him, okay, you need to correct your public image. But nothing has changed as far as I can see with his pronouncements. And one of those pronouncements is that if LaShawn McNeil, a convicted felon who was already, and by the way, one more thing about convicted felons. These are the people that the Democrats insist have the right to vote. This was part of their John Lewis voting rights bill to just give blanket, blanket permission for convicted felons to vote in elections. These are some of the things that Republicans found objectionable, and Democrats call them racist. Oh, you're racist. You're racist. You're racist. You're racist. You're racist. Because you object to our legislation. Not that the legislation should be debated on the merits. It's just let's call people names. So this convicted felon who Democrats want to give the right to vote, as they do illegal immigrants, and they've already done that in New York City, in local elections. This is a man that our new district attorney, according to his own memo, does not believe would be deserving of a life sentence without parole. On probation for a 2003 felony, narcotics conviction, four more arrests outside New York, unlawful weapons, assaulting police officer, felony drug charges, misdemeanor narcotics charges. Officers recovered a 45 Glock handgun with high-capacity magazine stolen in Baltimore in 2017 at the scene. It's not clear how the gun came into his hands. An investigation is ongoing. Mayor Eric Adams last night issued a desperate plea, this according to the New York Post, to ask us, to ask New Yorkers to help save the city. This was an attack on the city of New York. It is an attack on the children and families of this city, he said. Surrounded by hundreds of members of the police force, the mail call for unity between the nation's largest police department and the city. We're not going to win this battle by dividing lines between us. We must save this city together. Um, Mayor Adams, with all due respect, sir, the people of this city are not the ones tasked with saving the city Why don't you call in your new district attorney and ask him to protect the people of this city? He was elected to protect the people of New York City. It is not the people of New York City that deserve your lecture. It is him. This young officer joined the police force in an attempt to do good. There's a story about him and what his motivation was. 
This was also in today's New York Post. Slain New York police rookie wanted to improve relations between cops and communities. He wanted, he joined the police force to better the relationship between the community and police. He wrote in a letter. Those are his words. This young 22 year old, this young man. Listen to what, listen to what officer, the late officer Rivera said. When I applied to become a police officer, I knew this was the career for me. Coming from an immigrant family, I will be the first to say that I am a member of the New York Police Department, the greatest police force in the world. The letter entitled Why I Became a Police Officer detailed how Officer Rivera watched his brother get stopped and frisked when they were pulled over in a taxi. And he said that perspective on police and the way they, the police, that really bothered him. He grew up in Inwood, Manhattan. I was too young to know at the time that New York PD was pulling over and frisking people at a high rate. This was the stop and frisk program. He says, then he watched the New York Police Department pushing hard to change its policies to improve its relationship with the community. It's then when I realized I wanted to be part of the men in blue to better the relationship between the community and police. Officer Rivera, 22 years old, said he believed he could make a difference as a member of the force in this chaotic city. Something as small as helping a tourist with directions or helping a couple resolve an issue will put a smile on someone's face. These are the words of slain 22-year-old officer, New York City police officer, Rivera. Jason Rivera, slain by a convicted felon who, on the basis of his numerous crimes, should never have been released from jail like so many others. There's a story in, in out of Texas today. This guy shot his girlfriend 22 times. He posted bond. He's released across the country. You see these stories all over the place. These cut them loose strategies that the progressive DAs have instituted all over the country. And what they have done is just release the worst elements of society back into society so that they can continue to prey on innocent human beings. This is happening over and over again in society. And if you object to it, Democrats call you a racist. If you object to it, you are met with so-called prosecutors like Alvin Bragg, who say that people that commit these crimes, like killing the young, heroic officer Jason Rivera, don't deserve to spend the rest of their lives in prison. And Mayor Adams says it's up to us to 
help save the city. Mayor, you need to do your part. Mayor Eric Adams, it's time for you to stop just posing for pictures and offering platitudes. You have to do your part. You have to call out <clears throat> this this progressive district attorney. You have to demand, Mayor Adams, that if this killer is convicted, that he goes to jail for the rest of his natural life at the very least and never has a chance at freedom and never has a chance to live among us. This asinine, this asinine release the criminals bail program that was signed by disgraced Governor Andrew Cuomo needs to be immediately repealed. You should be in the forefront of that. And you should be demanding that these criminals that are preying on New Yorkers be put behind bars and kept behind bars and not allowed to be released to continue to prey on the innocent citizens of New York and to also harm our police officers. It is time, Mayor Adams, for you to step up to the plate with more than words. We need action. We don't need any more pictures of you surrounded by police officers. We don't need any more impassioned pleas to the people of New York to stop this. The people of New York aren't doing it. These are the criminals that are doing it, and it is your job to put these criminals behind bars and keep them behind bars. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerly. We are coming back. Your calls are, of course, welcome. 800-848-WABC's number to call. Coming right back after this. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC. WABC, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, with you. Marvin Gaye brings us back. Things are not what they used to be, my friends. It used to be a common, common understanding in our American society that if you commit certain crimes, you would pay for them with your very life. If you took the life of a police officer, one entrusted with our public safety, that was an automatic capital crime. It was There was no question about it. Right now we have a prosecutor in Manhattan where this horrible event happened who demands that there's no crime that takes place that's worthy of a life sentence in jail, and this is just simply insanity. It is insanity. It is insanity on parade in this city, and it needs to be addressed. And I don't care what it takes to recall this man if he insists on this asinine policy. He needs to be recalled and removed from office, and we need 
people in office that will protect the innocent life, the innocent citizens of this city, and protect our police officers. These felons, that these convicts, that the Democrat Party coddles, they want them to vote. They want them out of jail. These felons need to be rounded up and put in jail until their sentences are complete. No parole. No chance to walk among us until they have paid for the crimes that they have inflicted on society if those are violent crimes and they have attacked other citizens in this country. More insanity. And to show you how far removed the American left is from reality, you've seen the pictures of Los Angeles, the Union Pacific Railroad line, littered with the remnants of gang criminality throughout the tracks. Well, the governor of that state, Gavin Newsom, visited, we talked about this on the show yesterday, garbage bags, a crew in hand, they're going to clean it up. And Gavin Newsom goes there and looks and says, this is like a third world country. What happened here? What happened, governor, is you let the third world into California and you continue to turn your state into a third world country. Then you shake your head and you say, this is a third world country. How did this happen? Well, the governor has now apologized because when he was out trying to clean up the mess from these gangs of criminals, he used the word gangs. He said that the state gangs of people were doing these criminal behaviors, and now he has said, forgive me. He's asking the people of California and the United States, forgive me for saying gangs. That's not a pejorative. They're organized groups of folks that move from site to site. This man, who is the governor of the state, is so intimidated by the left that he's afraid to use the word gangs to describe gangs of criminals. Now we have to forgive him for saying gangs of criminals, gangs of criminals have looted and pillaged and left his state a mess. When in fact, gangs of criminals have looted and pillaged and left his state a mess. Forgive me, I use the word gangs. And this man is the governor. The governor. I mentioned to you the case in Texas. All of these have something in common. In every single one of these instances, whether it's New York, where our brave officer Jason Rivera has paid for wanting to help New Yorkers, to help New York State, to bridge the gap between the police officers and the communities that they serve. He has paid for it with his life, taken at the hands of a convicted felon, who a multiple felon. All of these have a link. Remember after 9-11, we were supposed to connect the dots. People, connect the dots here, please. Connect the dots. What is happening in New York? What is happening in Detroit, Atlanta, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Houston, Dallas? 
All of these dots connect, and they connect around progressive policies brought in pace by liberal Democrats and these progressives who believe that America is to blame for everything. That criminals are victims, and they should be released to to pray among us because they are the victims, not the people that they execute in the streets, not the people that they maim, harm, rape, pillage from. Those aren't the victims. The victims are the criminals themselves. These are these progressives, like our very own Alvin Bragg, who's demanding social justice for these criminals instead of standing up for the people of New York who are the victim of crimes. In Texas, Frank DeLeon, 17 years old, was charged with the murder of Diamond Alvarez, 15. Had a relationship with another girl. DeLeon shot Ms. Alvarez, was accused of shooting her 22 times. 22 times. He's been released from jail on bond. The mother's outraged. How does this animal, she says, this animal get out of jail? What kind of animal is that? He doesn't deserve a high bond. He executed my daughter. Yet he's walking the streets again. And these liberal progressives want this for America. This is what they are demanding that our country looks like. Let's connect the dots. What is the mindset of some of these people? Who are we dealing with here? In Missouri, between yesterday and today, Tarika, not Tamika, Tarika. Tarika Clay, 30 years old, was charged with first-degree assault and armed criminal action. You know what she did? She pulled into a drive alleged to have done. She pulls into a drive-in window at a McDonald's. She starts arguing with the McDonald's employee about the cost of French fries. The cost is the cost. She argues with the employee about the cost of French fries. She waits until the employee gets out of work. And then she's alleged to have shot her. She shoots her because she's upset over the price of French fries at a McDonald's. She's being held on $150,000 bond. She has a bond reduction hearing scheduled for next week. No doubt, if progressives get their way, she'll be back on the street headed to another McDonald's. Democrats and their progressives in the Democrat Party are doing their best to destroy the America that we know. They are making it an unsafe place to live. They are causing unbelievable chaos throughout society. We have brave, a brave police officer, Jason Rivera, who has paid for this with his life. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, WABC. We'll be back. We'll take your call shortly. 
nose politics, and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Pointer Singers bring us back. The Pointer Sisters. Slowhand. This is not Slowhand. I just fire, I know, but. I'm riding in your car. You turn on the radio. What a great group, the Pointer Sisters. You're putting me close. We're going to head to the phones, folks. WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdy, with you. Let's start out in Brooklyn with Maria. Maria, welcome. How are you this morning? James, good morning. Good morning. Love your, vo- your voice. I've Thank always, you. Since the 80s, late 80s, when I tuned into Rush, when, uh, and then I would be the one uh, on my midnight shift uh, on your night shows. I, I always enjoyed your show. Oh, well, thank I'm you. i correct you, James. Go ahead. It's not the Democratic Party. New York City and all these cities that have elected these politicians, they have no one to blame but the, themselves. The voter has given them the power. So don't cry today. Don't lament yourself over it. In the name of the tragedy of racism, this Democratic Party has used that to divide us. And we as individuals have to decide today, in the name of racism or in the name of being bodily harmed, because we have to put it out there, the Democratic Party of today is a pro-crime party, and we have to wake up and take responsibility. The voter put these people in power. So today, these are the results. And New York, we better wake up because it's not going to get any better, James. You know, Maria, I couldn't agree with you more when you say the Democrat Party is a pro-crime party. They are demonstrating that right before us. They've demonstrated it in the lawlessness uh, that they approve of in everything. If you look at it from from this, from giving Hillary Clinton a pass, from in the Obama years, and Hillary Clinton broke the law on dealing with classified information and the communication of government information. There's no doubt about it. The FBI even said so. And they gave her a pass. You look at the way that they deal with Hunter Biden. You look at the way, what is the New York State Attorney General right now doing? She's going after Trump on a witch hunt because this is a political thing. These people are lawless. This entire party has become lawless. You have a district attorney in Manhattan who's telling us up front, no crime, not even not even a crime like this where a young police officer serving his city is killed, <clears throat> is deserving of a criminal being put in jail for life. Yes, Maria. James, I want to take a moment to say my prayers to the family of those two officers. They, I believe they're part of my community, uh, Dominican, uh, Puerto Rican, probably descent. These are young men who just went out to do their job, and yet they're dead. And yet we are looking at the criminal probably being, being at, that out on bond. And yet the Democratic Party and their media stands there and looks all surprised when they have the results of their own make it making and and they talk to us like we're stupid children that we don't see what's going on and yet there's going to be voters that yeah they will vote for them and this is why we have the problems we we have it's the voter that's who all of this falls i hear you loud and clear when you say it's the voter and i'm I'm glad that you're offering your prayers 
and I ho- and I know that so many other millions of people in our listening area offering their prayers to the family of slain officer Jason Rivera, and we're also praying that his partner, Officer Moreira, uh, uh, that he is able to recover. He's fighting for his life right now. Wilbert Mora, 27, he's gravely wounded. He's undergoing surgery, and, of course, we pray that he will be able to to come out and, and again, have a normal life. This This shooting, my heart aches for Jason Rivera, this young man full of so much promise. This letter that he wrote is so touching. He saw things when he was younger with his own brother that he admits he didn't understand at the time. With stop and frisk, he was troubled by it. Instead of just standing on the side and becoming angry and bitter and mean and 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 blaming society, this young 22-year-old man, young man, Jason Rivera said, "I want to be part of the fix. I want to be a part of the solution." He was proud to join New York City's police department. He did it because he said he wanted to be he wanted to make a very he wanted to be part of the solution. He wanted to be able to reach out to members of the community and show them that New York police officers are on their side. His letter describing why he wanted to be a police officer deserves to be distributed through our media as much as possible so people understand this young man's mindset. It is touching. It is the best of motives to join the police department. And yet this young officer, 22-year-old, had his life taken from him by a repeat convicted felon. And I repeat this not to inflame you, but because this is the reality. These convicted felons, the Democrats are demanding, receive the right to vote. And if you don't agree with them, these Democrats, like they did this week, like Maxine Waters did this week, like Hank Johnson did this week, like this other New York Congressman, Moriera, I think is his name, did this week. They call you white supremacist. They call you all sorts of names if you disagree with legislation that promotes these convicts, these felons getting the right to vote. Now, you can make an argument that felons do deserve the right to vote after they finish their sentence. This is a debate that society should have. But to call someone racist that doesn't agree with you, that doesn't agree that you should receive federal funding for elections, this is what Democrats did this week. You're all racist if you don't agree with us. And yet, these felons that the Democrat Party insists on protecting, they want them released with low bail because they say it's racist to keep them in jail. They can't afford bail, so let's just let them out. Where, you know, I know that AOC is suffering right now from the the ravages of COVID, and and I don't want to necessarily pick on her, but she's one of the leaders of this movement of bail reform. Where Will she be questioned by members of the mainstream press says, look, this is how this is working out. Do you still support this? Well, any of these progressives that gave this, these policies to us that are releasing these felons into society, 
Will they ever be called to account? Let's go to New Jersey and Kevin. Kevin, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, with you. How are you? Hello. Good morning, James. Um, first, I want to give my condolences to the officers that died and um, their families um, and all the other officers, you know, that uh, passed away, whatever. Um, well, not whatever, you know what I mean? I know um, what you mean. I, just, I also just wanted to say, like, um, like not only when you guys mentioned, like, and God bless WABC, Mr. Castle, Ms. Titus, um, and everybody, because this only like the really only uh, media outlet that you could get, you know, all these other, uh, you know, the news stations is all full of crap. And as somebody that's um, where they would say people, a person of color, I'm a black person. And um, it's just like they, they pander so much. Even the other radio stations you don't hear about. They, they, they don't hear, you know, not um, AM, but like the FM radio. You don't hear about none of this. They constantly play all that garbage music. And then when they when, when all the events like this happen, they seem so surprised, like the um, woman, the lady who was just on. All these media people, uh, they don't say nothing about this. But my point I was getting to, when you guys mentioned, um, like, big cities like Los Angeles, Chicago, and everything, also mention these cities, uh, New Jersey, because we got a governor, Phil Murphy, and, and particularly in cities like North Patterson. Look at the kid in Patterson who has got a, a, the, um, a college scholarship to Mount Clare. You know, didn't hang out, didn't do none of that. His mother was just on TV or whatever. I was watching the interview, and, you know, he got shot. All these... And a crossfire. This is the young man that was bringing groceries to his grandma, and he got caught up in this gang, this gang crossfire. And you're right, with a college scholarship, and he came from a tough life, and yet he was trying to make a good life for himself, his family. He's dead. He's another one who's 20, want, dead. I'm sorry, Miss. I just want to get this one last point off. And Go, do it. When I was, when I was um, uh, asking people, when they had these these uh, Biden rallies in Newark, I said, y'all really think Biden going to do a better job than Trump? And some of the people, like even part of the, like the Raz Baraka administration, they were saying, would you like a, a, a Trump lover? Would you, you know, excuse my language, like would you uh, like white people and crackers better than um, uh, Biden, I'm like, y'all think Biden going to do a better job than Trump? I knew, and, and look what you get, and you don't hear about none of this. You know, whether they talk about, they're more interested in the COVID booster shots or whatever. God bless you, you could do whatever you want to do. But they're more interested in that, and they don't mention nothing about the crime. It's, it's like it don't exist. But all these all these liberal cities in New Jersey, y'all got to y'all gotta mention these cities. When y'all mention Chicago, Los Angeles, Mention Patterson, North Patterson, New Jersey. Another, another. Every single spot that Democrats run, like Patterson, go in Passaic County, go to Newark, go anywhere Absolutely. Democrats run, and you see the same symptoms over and over again. Kevin, you are absolutely right. Golden, thank you, Kevin. Thank you for calling, and we hope to hear from you again, my friend. Um, you know, Kevin <clears throat> points out something. And and there are so many cities we could mention. I, there's an article in today's stack of news that I have an, in today's news stack about uh, Anacostia. Anacostia is has a rich, vibrant history. It is a it is a suburb in Maryland. And if you go back through our history, Anacostia should be one of the historic neighborhoods in this country. Instead, it has been allowed to turn into a festering ghetto. Today there's a story in the news 
where Anacostia teachers at a school were so outraged that nothing has been done. The school was shot up the other day, and they haven't even, the maintenance hasn't even bothered to clean up the gunshot residue from around the school, the, 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 the parts of the school that were damaged by gunfire, and the teachers are saying it is not safe to be here. Now, see, this is exactly what I've been talking about for weeks on this program. These Democrats in the Congressional Black Caucus have been pointing their fingers all week at you, American citizens calling you racist and bigots because you won't go along, because your representatives didn't go along with this flawed bill that was put in John Lewis's name so that they could give cover to what was actually inside the bill. These flawed Democrats run around with their flawed legislation, pointing their finger at you, calling you a racist, calling you a bigot because you won't go along with their power grabs. And yet, if you go, like Kevin said, if you go to New Jersey, if you go to New York, you see what happens. Can we, can I just, I'm going to go there. Of course, LaShawn is black. Of course. Because what have we come to expect lately? We've come to expect that the disproportionate amount of crime being committed by black men in this country is tolerable. That is something we all shouldn't talk about because we're racist if we talk about it. Oh, people are going to get upset. He said, of course. Well, I say, of course, because all too often now I am so sad that every time I pick up a newspaper and see the pictures of these criminals... At least six in ten times, these criminals are black men. This LaShawn that killed, this police, allegedly killed this police officer and wound. Yes, of course he is. This convicted felon released over and over again. And why should I be worried about saying it? Because Democrats are saying it. They're saying we have to release these felons out of jail because of racism. And they're saying themselves, racism, they're black. Let's let them out of jail. There is something wrong in these communities that accepts this cultural miscreant behavior. And it has to be changed if America is going to survive. We cannot have an entire segment of society that thinks criminal behavior is okay, that raises young criminals from almost the time they are born to become professional criminals. We can't have this continued violence. That little Tamika, Tarika, whatever her name is, that got upset in St. Louis because she didn't like the price of the McDonald's French fries. She's a young black girl, waits for an employee and shoots the employee at McDonald's. Folks, what the hell is wrong here? We see the pictures. When are we going to say enough is enough? We have to demand better of our communities. We have to demand better. And you cannot have the Congressional Black Caucus walking in where you can have it, because that's what we see, pointing their fingers at every white American saying you are the problem, when inside these communities that they represent, we have this out-of-control crime, we have failed schools that fail to educate children, and we have massive failure in terms of providing jobs, prosperity, and everything else. And then when we have riots, We have elected officials like that one in Baltimore saying, oh, that's okay. Give them room to destroy.
Meanwhile, in Atlanta, you've got this other little black district attorney who decides, oh, uh, let's go after Trump. In New York, you have all this going on. And what do you have Letitia James doing? Going after Trump and his family. These, these Democrats are on a vendetta. And I am sorry, in my view, they care nothing about the communities that they're supposed to represent. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Boston Early. More of your calls coming up. Don't go away. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77, the crown jewel of American radio. It is Saturday morning. This is part of our three-hour weekend show, the first hour Fridays at 4 o'clock. Hour number two now. Hour number three coming up. And in the hour coming up, we will hear from America's princess of policy, Diana Mee. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, with you here. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. All the lines are full, but keep the number handy. BGs, bring us back. Back to the telephones. We're going to go to George in Rockland County. George, welcome WABC with James Golden. How are you this morning? I'm great. Thanks for taking my call, Mr. Golden. I'd like to tell you, yesterday we were talking about my congressman, first-term congressman by the name of Mondera Jones. Hopefully I pronounced his name right. Yes, Mondera Jones. Yeah, well, I would like to tell you that you're right there on target, okay? Uh, this congressman uh, took over a post which was held by another progressive for many, many years, and I said, great, after so many years, hopefully we'll have a change. I guess I was wrong, okay? He, he runs on two items, okay, and that seems to be his, uh, his thing, okay? Uh, LGBTQ and race. Race is a big, big part of his agenda there, as you mentioned yesterday, uh, when he was giving this speech in the Congress. And that's it, okay? You know, I'm a senior. We try to reach him about senior issues. You don't hear anything back, okay? Who knows how many other issues that just, it's not part of his uh, uh, interest, okay? So it, it's sad. It's sad. I was really hoping a new face, a new approach, but I guess I was wrong here, okay? And in the meantime, we... Uh, his constituents are ending up uh, with, with yeah Mandera is one of these is one of these again who was out talking about the white nationalist this white nationalist this after the path after this bill that they didn't want this phony voting rights bill didn't pass yeah. um and and so yes I, and I don't blame you for being disappointed I'm disappointed in all of them too you know I think that we should start giving. American citizens more benefit of the doubt that this this charge of racism should be the last thing that comes out of somebody's mouth, not the very first thing if someone disagrees with you. And it is sad to watch. It is sad that this is all they can come up with. And uh, I hope that some of these people are turned out of office. I don't know whether they will be or not. But we America should demand better from our leaders than we're getting, especially from the Democrat Party. This this continued. Um, this continued race baiting has to stop. 
It really does. I mean, they're not being fair to their constituents. They're not being fair to their fellow American citizens. The only thing they're doing is trying to inflame people and pour gasoline on racial wounds in this country that need healing, that don't need to be set alight again. And, George, thank you for the call so much. I do appreciate it. Let's uh, move to Patricia in New York. Patricia, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77 with James Golden. Oh, James, God bless you. I waited since last night to hear your wonderful voice. I was so upset and shaken up about what happened in, in Manhattan with these two officers. What I've been doing, and I know it's stupid, but I don't know what else to do. I've been calling Governor Kathy Hochul's office, um, leaving voice messages because you can't get a soul on the phone. And I've been calling D.A. Alvin Bragg Jr.'s office, and they're very rude, and they hang up. You can't. Um, by the way, reach the mayor. You're not allowed to have his phone number. We're only citizens here. Um, Patricia. And I have those phone numbers if your your listeners want those numbers, because I do it every day now. They probably say, oh, it's that crazy woman from Brooklyn. I don't care. Well, Patricia. I don't anybody think, I'm sorry, love. No, no, I'm sorry, honey, for cutting you off. Listen, Patricia, I'm glad that yeah. you're making the calls because Hochul, is the one that also can help reverse this trend of letting these felons back onto the street. And we should demand more from Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg has gone on record as saying that these kind of crimes that happened last night to this young police officer aren't deserving of a life sentence without parole, and they certainly are. Back in when New York was a much safer city, these kind of crimes would have been an instant, instant register for a death penalty case in New York. But that was way back when. Um, Patricia, you have a right, as every New Yorker does, to want to feel safe in your city. These progressives have turned life upside down. And we all have to, I don't care whether it's calling these elected officials, we have to do everything in our power to remove these people from office if they are not going to respond to this dangerous, chaotic, uncivil society that they are responsible with their policies for setting into place. So thank you, Patricia. Well, James, I have those phone numbers if, if you want me to give them on Just the go ahead and give them very quickly because we're running out of time. Okay. Governor Kathy Hochul, 518-474-8390. Alvin Bragg, uh, District Attorney Manhattan, 212-335-9000. And tell people, play detective. They hang up. I keep calling back. What the heck? Thank you, Patricia. Thank you so much. Patricia cares about this city, folks, as we all do, and we all should, except for the progressives among us who seem to think it's okay to turn this city over to criminals. We had a call the other day, Democrats are the party of criminality, of criminals. Yep, that's what they've become. And it is up to us, the citizens of New York, the citizens of Pennsylvania, Connecticut, the citizens of New Jersey. We've had a call from New Jersey about how unsafe their cities are. It is up to all of us to take our cities back from these progressives and to actually demand that we have safety on our streets, that our police officers are defended and protected, and that our lives are taken seriously. Not their dangerous, out-of-control ideology 
that has put our entire society in jeopardy. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdley. We have another full hour to go. Coming up in the next hour, Princess Diana will join us. Stay with us here on WABC Talk Radio 77, back right after this. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Indeed it is. James Goldman, Mr. Snurdly with you here. 800-848-WABC is our telephone number. 800-848-9222. We have politics to discuss this hour. And we will do so when our princess, her royal highness, her majesty, her highnessness, Diana Mee joins us shortly. This has been one of the political weeks in the Biden administration that may define whether it is a failure or not. There is a new golden tip poll out today. This is a poll that yours truly, James Golden, is doing with Technometrica Institute of Public Policy. These are the most accurate pollsters in the country, folks. This poll doesn't get a lot of publicity yet. It will. We started this poll a while ago. And the poll, I asked one question this week that we have responded to on the poll, and it is a poll that just asked this week, Golden Tip Poll. One question. We're going to talk a lot about this on Monday, and that is whether Joe Biden deserves to be reelected. If you go on Twitter, my Twitter account, Bo Snerdly, at Bo Snerdly, S-N-E-R-D-L-E-Y, at Bo Snerdly on Twitter. You can find that. I post a lot of news stories here. And by the way, if you go to jamesgolden.com or bosnerdly.com, you can sign up for my newsletter. We do an afternoon and morning blast. And that is called, you know, the, the BS alert, Bo Snerdly. Okay, and so we're, we're ramping things up to be more in touch. I I want to get to as many calls as I can today. People are really upset about what has happened in our city, as well they should be. And I'd like to take a call right now from Sam, West New York, New Jersey. Sam, welcome to WABC Talk Radio 77. It's James Golden. Good morning, James. It's an honor to talk to you. My honor. Um, (laughs) Thank you. I wanted to just say I work with police officers. Um, I'm a police chaplain. And what I've watched and been watching and talking to people even on social media about is that the progressive Democrats, the attorney generals, and uh, the media has done a great job of dehumanizing police officers, whether it's videos from overseas showing how those police officers act or picking out a video here about the NYPD police officers. And so I want to kind of put a call to action to retired police officers, Um, you know, get strong. But I think they need to get back as a uh, volunteer to help these young police officers, because if not for them, who's going to teach the new police officers? And without some sort of law and order, as our former president used to call for all the time, whether you like him or not, we, we have to get 
law and order back. But we also, I believe, need these retired police officers all over the country to get involved again after they've taken some time off, you know, to get strong again and, and relax. Now, what would you like for them to do specifically? You said to help out some of the other police officers. Yes, I would like them to actually, they're, they're all over the country, uh, to, to get together, start some sort of volunteer situations where they can, you know, maybe go in as a group or go to the different police departments and volunteer to help train and, and tell the stories of when, you know, when they were police and everything like that. What helped them survive? What, it, what helped them survive? Now, in this atmosphere now, because people that I know will immediately cut police officers down. I, I loved police officers. I was raised that way. But other people are not like that. So uh, they have to get out there and volunteer and, and tell their stories. The stories are the, the most strong thing you can give and help these young police officers. And in the situation, I don't know what happened yesterday. It's, it's horrific. And this should not be allowed to happen in New York City or anywhere else. But if this continues, James, as you know, uh, we're not going to survive. We must have law and order. We have to. And now, Sam, I would like to just have a very serious discussion with you, if you don't mind, for a second. Because you said people see police officers differently. Yes, Sam, I happen to be one of those poli- people that does see police officers differently. I love law enforcement. When I grew up, my next-door neighbor was a New York City police officer. Wow. But I also, wow. I also, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I also have some issues with Mm -hmm. the way that police officers in the police departments govern Mm -hmm. themselves. And let me explain it to you like this, the way that, and and I, this is risky because people can Mm -hmm. take what I'm saying out of context. A lot of people view police officers as just a bigger gang because you have instances where these the police officers and and granted they are a small 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 number of every police force but you have these renegade cops that people perceive as getting away with murder getting away with you have this guy for instance this detective in new york right now they had to throw out almost 300 cases because he there the the government is saying that he framed people and so what happens is that people know that let me let me boil it down. The blue wall of silence. So you have a perception that it's one-sided, that police can get away with infractions against citizens because they're not going to rat each other out. And at the same time, you know they they scold society people in these in these horrid commun in, in these communities where crime is out of control for not wanting to step up and rat out the criminals in the neighborhood. Now, I think these criminals need to be ratted out. These these criminals that kill and prey on innocent people, I they don't deserve to live among us. They deserve to be put away. And again, I believe that 99.9% of the officers on the force are on the, this young this young officer. My heart breaks. Did you hear the letter that he wrote why he wanted to be a police officer? He wanted to be a police officer. He wrote a letter why I became a police officer. Uh-huh. Growing up in Inwood, Manhattan, the community's relationship between the police and the community was not great. I was too young to know at that time. The New York PD was pulling over and frisking people at a high rate. What does he decide mm-hmm. to do? He says, I decided, I realized I wanted to be part of the men in blue, 
to better mm-hmm. the relationship between the community and police. This young yeah, man is that. such a such an inspiration, and he's dead. And this is just so heartbreaking. But this has to happen on two sides. We can't just have a one-sided approach. Okay, th- there has to be, if we are going to get this relationship straight, just like this young officer was trying to do, there has to be a willingness to get rid of these renegade cops that terrorize citizens. Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> I totally agree. I, I think it's almost like a, a 50-50 deal. I think that if you shoot or kill a police officer, you, you should be uh, uh, in very big trouble for that, like you were talking about earlier. And also, if you, you know, evil, evil has to turn to good. And this is going along in our whole country. I see it in every profession, whether it's doctors, which some of my family are, whether it's police officers, who I love a lot. You know, James, I was raised in the Midwest, and my parents, my, my mentor was a black woman from the time I was age of 10. She was my mom's best friend. So I was really fortunate to see both sides of pretty much every story, and we could talk about anything. And she lived to be 90. And my mom and she actually, even though my mom was married and my dad died young, they took care of each other. They were they were civil and they loved each other. And I think that looking at, again, the former president and I, I watch these things happening in Washington and I'm just sick about it. And I think that evil must go to good. And if we don't, we've lost God out of our churches. I was not a police officer, but I'm a police chaplain. So for me, there, of course, there's a blue wall of silence, I guess. I mean, I've just been very fortunate. I'm out in New Jersey to work with wonderful cops. But, of course, in every profession, there are bad and good people, and it has to be dealt with. Um, as far as gangs and things like that, I can't imagine if you're in a, an area where there's gangs, uh, if you tell on somebody or rat, as they say, my husband's from Brooklyn, so I heard that, you know, younger days. But it, you, ha- I don't know how to solve that. That would be way up your alley. But I'm just saying that I believe there are people out there, retired cops, who, yes, they, they wanted to stop. They're young. They need to get back out there in a way that they create groups of helping like this young man, this is this is heartbreaking. But the it is so is, heartbreaking what has happened well, to Officer yeah. Rivera. It is heartbreaking. This but this do you young think the man. Is going to care? Do you no, really think this DA no. is going to? Well, no, this DA is this DA needs to be taken from office by. But he was elected, and so there needs to be a legal due process way to get him out and in place. Put in someone who wants to protect the people of New York. And and I lived in New York uh, 20 years before uh, we moved out to Jersey. And when I look at New York City, it's such a tragedy to me. People across the country call me. I don't even pretty much go into New York that much anymore. So my guys and gals are out here. So, but the thing is, is that some. But look what happened in Jersey the other day. Look what happened in Patterson, New Jersey. This kid, his college scholarship, mm -hmm. bringing groceries to his grandmother gets caught in the crossfire between these gangbangers who have not been, as far as I know, apprehended yet. He's lying dead. And these young criminal thugs are just parading around the streets under under the protection of the Democrat Party. Because if they get thrown in jail, they immediately get released so that they can get back on the streets and prey on other innocent people. So I have to throw the question back to you. What would you do? to stop that, because that's the bigger problem. One of the first things I would implement is a system of no bail for people who have committed violence or who are likely, after they go before a judge, 
and mm-hmm. due process to be convicted of violent crimes against their fellow human beings. They shouldn't be out on the streets if they have been found to have weapons and committed this crime. You're off the street. You have no right to be on the street if you possess an illegal weapon and that weapon has been involved in the killing or injuring of anybody. For certain other violent crimes, you should not be released back on the street in society. If you are convicted, you need to do your full sentence and not be released. But isn't that common sense? I mean, of course it's me? common and sense. That, so where, where, that's why I'm saying what, what do you do when you have you, AGs you, like this? We have to begin the process of moral outrage to overwhelm yeah. progressivism. That is what has to happen here, because the moral outrage for people demanding to be safe, demanding to live in a safe country, demanding to live in safe cities, this appeals to everyone. And you can't be afraid to go into black neighborhoods or Hispanic neighborhoods and actually Mm -hmm. say, we need to have our neighborhood safe. We need to have schools that educate our children, and we need to have a neighborhood where it is safe for our senior citizens to walk, for our children to play. We need to get this criminal element out of our society. The second thing that we need to do is as a group of citizens is rise up against some of these liberal media companies who have infected the American population with the worst of media that portends these violent criminals as heroes that portends these criminals, this gangster life, as something to be uh, aspire to. You know, just the other day, Mr. Z is in court. Mr. Z is in court. Mr. Billionaire Jay-Z is in court demanding that we not use, that, that people in New York not be able, prosecutors, to be able to use the lyrics of rap records from these rap artists when these rap artists are in, in criminal proceedings now okay i understand both sides of that argument but if you've spent your life in 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 this so-called music which isn't music at all all it is violent propaganda suggesting that other people be killed maimed harmed and all that and then they bring that up at your trial i don't see any problem using it this is your mindset but we live in a society that is so twisted we have to unravel this one step at a time and return, as you said, Sam, back into a place where there is good, where people understand that good should prevail, not this Absolutely. evil we're seeing running rampant. Yes. And one, just one quick thing. There was a lady that had called in before. She gave out some phone numbers. She's absolutely right. Uh, when I say to people, what are you doing? Who are you calling? What are you? And that's the point. Even the retired police officers can make calls. They can make calls and they can get in this fight because we must prevail. This is just evil versus good, and it's bad. It's bad. Sam. So we have to get out there. You please yes. call us again, Sam. <laughs> yes, James, I certainly will. Thank you. God bless Love you, hearing. Sam. Bye-bye. God bless you, sir. God bless you, Sam. James Golden, WABC Talk Radio 77. When we get back, Princess Di joins us. Yes, we are going to divert for a moment to talk about the politics of the week, and we are going to take your call. So if you're on hold, stay on hold. We're going to go through as many calls as we can. People want to weigh in on this and what's happening in our city today. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdy, with you. 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio, 848-WABC, 800-848-9222 is how you reach us. 
It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming America's Princess of Policy, Her Majesty. Her Royal Highness, who has never been on a plane with Jeffrey Epstein or anybody else like that, <laughs> who still has all of her royal titles, because she hasn't been stripped of them for bad behavior, a woman who stands above and among us at the same time, our very own Princess Diana Me. <laughs> oh, that is so inspired. <laughs> Thank you, James. <laughs> you are radio royalty, so I bow to you. Oh, no. Well, Princess Di, you know, this week has been uh, one of the weeks, we, as we talked about yesterday, that will, uh, I, I don't know, this, this has been a week to me that's defining on the Joe Biden presidency thus far. Um, okay. I... And I understand that you have a very different view of this. I tend to blame Chuck Schumer for the woes of the Democrat Party. You have a different view. But before we go there, there was a dust-up this week with NPR and the Supreme Court. (laughs) Nina Totenberg, the, the older, elder reporter for NPR, was involved in it. Boy, she's got some kind of attitude. Oh, yeah. She accused... Neil Gorsuch, right, of, of, of not wearing a mask to and, and potentially being harmful to Sonia Sotomayor, who wasn't even in the court in the court. And and then and then the justices came out and said, this is fake news. And she refuses to ign- tell us what's going on with this, this, this story with NPR, Nina Totenberg and the Supreme Court. Well, dust up is the right word, and this is a classic inside-the-beltway gossip. The entire city or district is just consumed by this back-and-forth between Nina Totenberg and the, the Supreme Court. Now, Nina, if you, you sent me a story, uh, the headline of the Washington Post is, A single word sparks a crossfire between the Supreme Court, NPR, and its Star reporter, Nina Totenberg. And Nina Totenberg is, talk about royalty, she is treated with the most abject deference. She is called the founding mother of NPR. Apparently, she started it in 1975. She was instrumental in that. And what made her bones, so to speak, was she was the one in 1991 who got the Anita Hall affidavit against Clarence Thomas. The Anita Hill. Yes, Anita Hill. And she, the story was leaked to her, and she was instrumental in that whole brouhaha and has been a heroine to the left ever since. I mean, she lost the battle and the left lost the battle because Clarence Thomas is still on the Supreme Court and one of the best, the best at the moment. And yet she caused him trouble. So she is 
venerated. And believe it or not, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the one who presided over Nina's wedding in 2000. So she has a connection that is quite personal to the Supreme Court. She reported this this terrible thing was that Sotomayor, who has diabetes, the justice who is on the left, didn't feel safe next to Neil Gorsuch because uh, John Roberts had, in some manner, asked the justices to wear a mask. And Neil Gorsuch refused and made Sonia Sotomayor nervous and upset. And so she was uh, doing all of her appearances on the Supreme Court remotely. That was her original report on Tuesday, okay, as NPR's chief legal affairs correspondent. Immediately, Roberts, no, immediately Gorsuch and Sotomayor came out with an unprecedented statement and said, no, we may sometimes disagree about the law. We are warm colleagues. This never happened. Justice Sotomayor never asked Gorsuch to wear a mask. This is false. And so then Nina, Nita, Totemeyer, Sotomayor, to, Nina Totenberg. Totenberg, I'm getting their names mixed up. She said, well, that's a non-denial denial. That's not really in denial because it was Roberts who was the one who asked the question. So then Roberts came out hours later on Wednesday and said, I did not request Justice Gorsuch or any other justice to wear a mask on the bench. So you have all three individuals on the Supreme Court, unprecedented, coming out and saying that the story that talked about three individuals on the Supreme Court, they're all three saying it didn't happen. It's not true. And yet Nina is still claiming that she's not changing a word. So much so that NPR's public affairs editor, Kelly McBride, came out and said that I believe Totenberg's reporting was solid, but her word choice was misleading. And then Nina said, swearing, she can write any GD thing she wants. I haven't even looked at it. I report to the news division, not to her. So she is standing by her reporting. The justices involved said that it never happened. NPR's public editor said this was an incorrect word choice that that Roberts asked the other justices to mask up and should have said suggested. So the whole thing is everyone's mad at everybody else. And nothing will happen. And it's all fake news. NPR's uh, Nina Totenberg, because she's one of the high priestesses of the left, you know, yeah. she's like, yeah, yeah, it's okay for her to do fake news. It's pretty much the way it goes over at NPR. Now let's talk yeah. about Chuck Schumer. You said you had a different view of what happened this week. Folks, here's the long and short of my view. And, and I believe that Her Royal Highness disagrees with me tremendously on this. I think that Chuck Schumer is the worst Senate majority leader in our in recent history. Everything that the left is blaming on Biden for failure, couldn't get it through. At all, this whole exercise with this voting, this phony voting bill, Chuck Schumer never should have brought this up to the floor. He knew it was going to fail. It failed. He knew that filibuster attempt was going to fail. It failed. They're getting nothing accomplished except for those 13 rhinos that passed Joe Biden's uh, infrastructure bill, this administration will have had nothing to show for it. And the 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 problem isn't in the House for the Democrats. This is just political na- analysis. By the way, I'm glad it's all failing. But the problem is that Chuck Schumer 
is failing and has failed his party as the Democrat leader in the Senate. That's my view. You have a different take, I think. A little bit. And uh, you were right in noting the failures, quote unquote. This week, there is no BBB, Build Back Better, because nothing is built, nothing is back, and nothing is better. And no voting rights legislation, no filibuster reform legislation. These were all very public legislations that that Schumer himself brought to the floor and was unable to get it across the finish line. But here's how I'm looking at that. He had actually an impossible hand. He had to convince the base, which is the left, which is the squad supporters, that he's pushing their radical agenda. He also, at the same time, has to convince his Wall Street donors who own him in New York that none of this uh, base left squad agenda will pass. So two opposing uh, missions And he was able to convince both sides that he was on their side to keep the donations flowing. He's got the money coming in from the left who are outraged because they've been spun that this is all racist Republicans. He's got the Wall Street people sending the donations in because they see that the Democrats have prevented the far left from making progress. Plus, listen to this. uh, Schumer has been able to blame an old white guy who is beholden to Trump by extension, Manchin, who is being called a West uh, white nationalist in West Virginia, which Trump won by 40 points. So they're able to put it on Manchin, who is in zero danger of being unelected in West Virginia. So they're I have a question for you. Will a single Democrat senator be hurt by what happened under Schumer? Potentially uh, Kirsten Sinema will. She's already losing donors. She's facing this week. She is facing um, potential censure from her own party in Arizona for not going with this uh, filibuster reform. Emily's list has already said to Kirsten Sinema, go get lost, go jump in a lake and take your tampons with you. And, um, uh, you know, she's not being treated nice. They've already followed her into the women's room. She's been harassed and harassed. So Kirsten Sinema is taking the brunt of this. And she may be, unless the Arizona voters decide that they want a maverick, this time they want a Democrat Party maverick, she may be in electoral trouble. Maybe. She I'm not may convinced be the that only she one. is. And I disagree that she's in trouble because she's got a lot of crossover support in that state. So in my view, that Schumer hasn't, will not have lost a single seat by doing what looks like a surrender. So I think it's been effective. He's had a difficult hand to play, but I think he's played it very well. And there's a reason he has been the leader of that Senate party for so long, because he has played the game very well. And mostly the keeping the donations flowing. That's his main job. He has succeeded. And I do not agree with the conventional wisdom that this was a huge fail. I'm conventional wisdom? Oh, no. <laughs> well, you're, you're the brilliant conventional wisdom. But right now, that is the conventional wisdom on our side, that this has been a huge embarrassment. I think it has been a, a playing a difficult hand very effectively on, on the Democrat side. 
Chuck Schumer is the worst Senate majority leader Democrats have ever had. And he should have told the progressives to go take a hike. This stuff was never going to pass in the first place. Let's pass it incrementally. And he would have had victories that would have pleased the conservatives. And I mean, that would have pleased the progressives on some part without putting his own two senators at risk for vitriol. Now, I agree with you that Manchin's going to be okay. Manchin's going to be fine. In fact, this is going to help Manchin. But Kirsten Sinema's seat may be in danger. And he exposed the two of them anyway. He threw two of his own under the bus. And you don't do that. I think he's a horrible Senate leader. Okay. Well, as you know, that now everyone has decided not to criticize these two. Pelosi basically signaled, we are not going to badmouth these two. They spent a lot of time doing it. It's too late. Maxine Waters and the Congressional Black Caucus are already calling them a bunch of white racists, white nationals. So now you come out and say, oh, let's not criticize our white national racist Nazi Democrat senators? Well, the party leadership has been very open in criticizing those two, and now they have decided that that has not helped them. So we'll just have to see who's right, the princess or the pauper. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you, Your Highness. (laughs) That is our princess of policy with amazing analysis that you will get and nowhere else. Princess Di, Diana Mee, thank you for joining us, Princess Di. Thank you, James. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, we're coming back to your calls right after this. Don't go away. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Saturday morning in New York. It is so cold outside. Wrap up, bundle up. If you're in traffic on the cross box, be patient. It's going to take a minute. BQE the same. WABC, Talk Radio 77. Patricia Russian. Forget me not. Yep. <clears throat> we are going to Julie in Pennsylvania on the telephones. Welcome, Julie, WABC Talk Radio 77 with James Golden. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm good, Julie. How are you? Fine, fine. I. It's so sad listening to... The- everything and and it, it just seems like we have no answers for anything if, if there's going to take a brawl on the floor of the supreme court we have to watch a small child carrying a bag of groceries fall to the floor all i can say is that we need to start educating ourselves about nanotechnology and understand what's going on it's going to get worse until we begin to understand what's being done to us, similar to the the lead poisoning that took place with the Romans and uh-huh. leading to the fall of the Roman Empire. So you believe that all of this is the uh, is is in somehow connected to nanotech? No question, no question. There is a terahertz band embedded within five G technology. Oh, the five G thing. Yeah, we have to. I know it sounds like a conspiracy theory. I never would. Julie, it sounds nuts. No offense. I know it does. Please, please, please. But start doing research on it. Yeah, Julie, I, you know, you you know what, Julie, here's, Julie, here's what's going to happen. 5G is going to roll out. It already has rolled out. Pete Buttigieg and his husband have been taking pictures of the baby and themselves while people are all around the world are complaining that we weren't ready for the world out of 5G at our airports, 
because Pete refused to get on board with it, but it's still rolling out. 5G's not going away. It's here. <clears throat> and you know what? I think that uh, nanotechnology is not the issue. I think that what we are facing in America is a moral crisis. This is has to do with morality. And this morality, this, this crisis in morality is affecting all of us. In every city and hamlet across this country, what we are seeing is a lawlessness and a disregard for human life that is being promulgated by one political party and it is spread into the policies of this nation, and this out-of-control chaos that we're seeing spread across America has to do with basic morality. I don't think the problem is nanotech. I think we are in a moral crisis in America. But I thank you for your views, Julie, and I'm not trying to denigrate them. Uh, So please, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Hope to hear from you again. Let us go to Paul in Staten Island. Hi, Paul. Welcome to WABC Talk Radio 77. Uh, how you doing, Mr. Snelly? It's great to talk to you. Thank you, sir. You too. Okay. Uh, well, my, I'm a retired detective. Uh, I did my last eight years as a homicide detective in Staten Island. Um, I just want to bring up one thing. This is nothing new, the war on cops. I know you remember from the 70s. Um, you, you remember Governor Carey. Of course. You remember the Attica riots. Of he course. Paroled, he paroled a guy from the Black Liberation Army. And a year later, he killed two cops in the 79 precinct on April 2nd, 1978. In, in Queens? Was, no, not in Queens. In, well, there was another one where two officers were ambushed in Queens. That's, and that was Jerry Scarangello. He was my cousin. Oh, my God. He got killed, pulled over. Yes. Well, my father picked up one of the guys that killed. It was Chrissy Misson and Norman Cirillo. Norman had three kids. Chrissy's wife was pregnant. Um the guy that he paroled from at the Attica riots, he was part of the BLA. He actually killed the two cops and killed his partner in crime the same day. So, and, and during the 70s, you had the, you had the weather on the ground. These people had, they, what, they went after the cops. Today is another thing is you have the politicians who are the war on the cops. The Democrat and Party I, politicians. Absolutely. And I'm going to give you another. I'm not really going to talk about myself, but I always listen to Rush Limbaugh. I listen to Mark Levin, and they always say, get involved, get involved. So in 2020, I live on the North Shore of Staten Island, which is four to one Democrats. I ran for the assembly. The guy I I ran against, he voted for all the anti-police bills. And I did pretty good. I I got about, it was like 65, 35. Highest any Republican got. And I'm not even talking about being a Republican. It's just like you say, the moral aspect of things. The morality has to be shown. It's very easy to say I'm moral and this and that. That's what the Democrats do. They feel good about themselves because that's it. But their actions show different story. What they what these I'm progressives not- I, Paul, what these progressives are doing to America is absolutely insane. This idea that we can release criminals and convicted felons back on the street and violent criminals back into the neighborhoods and that there will be no repercussions. This is insanity on parade, and it is showing up in every single city in America. And exactly. And when Cuomo's 
parole board, it's all he was that was all appointed by him. You let out cop killers in the last three, four months that were coming back from the seventies. And now yeah, we have yeah. this district attorney who is refusing Alvin. to Yes, Alvin Bragg. And now this guy yeah. this is this is folks that we have thank you, Paul, and thank you for your service to New York City. And I hope you run again and I hope you continue to make waves in your neighborhood because I think you're gonna find more and more people agreeing with you now as to what's going on in this city. This has to turn around. And thank you so much. Let's go to Gracie, Rockland County. Good morning, Gracie. How are you? I'm wonderful, uh, Sir Bo, of our roundtable of morality. How are you? I'm okay, Gracie. I'm really sad by what has happened to this young police officer. It is so heartbreaking. Ridiculous. Now, my thoughts on the issue is this. I have a lot of thoughts. Number one, how do we get to this point? We got to this point because after poor Martin Luther King was assassinated, people took over. Jesse Jackson, Rainbow Coalition, Sharpton. They turned this into a money-making scheme. The um, the uh, the. Uh, the corporations, in order to keep them happy, gave money. Then the media got involved with covering up stories, giving half stories, or, uh, or, or not reporting stories at all. That's where, that, in my opinion, that is where we, <clears throat> how we got to this Point. Gracie, I, I, let me let me agree with you on something, and then and then respectfully disagree with you on Good. something else. Okay, I think that the behavior of the left in hijacking the civil rights movement and turning everything into a race instead of actual what we see right now, this idea that we should let criminals out of jail because of race, because of their race, instead of keeping them in jail for what they actually did, is insanity. I agree that the civil rights movement was hijacked by people like Jesse and like Al. But let me say this about Al Sharpton. One of the reasons that Al Sharpton became so popular is because he went into neighborhoods that no one else was going into when there were situations that should have never taken place, and he stood with those families, okay? And he got this power from being there. One of the things that conservatives, we have to do, When there are injustices that are happening, especially if they involve law enforcement, we can't just sit on the sidelines and ignore it and pretend it doesn't happen. We have to speak up. And the more we speak up, the more power we take away from liberals. Because we demand, we should be the ones demanding that every American citizen be granted due process under our laws and be treated equally under our laws, and that some of the things that have happened that are unjust be addressed. When we stay silent, we give rise to the people that we are complaining about because they are not silent. They go into these neighborhoods and they exploit it. If you don't want them exploiting it, we should be in those neighborhoods. That's what I my comment. Gracie, as always, it's so wonderful to hear from you. Thank you. we got a lot of calls. I'm going to try to get as many as we can in. Let's go to Gail in Staten Island. Welcome, Gail. How are you this morning? Good morning. How are you? Good, Good, thank you, Gail. Okay, listen. When has Chuck Schumer ever had a news conference? He never takes questions. All he does is scream and complain and race bait. 
He spoke at my granddaughter's um, graduation at college, and he turned it all about himself. Uh, when Biden won the presidential election, he stood in the streets of New York and danced and said, now we can change America. To what? What was wrong with America? He cries phony tears. I hope Joe Pinion takes him to the woodshed and speaks and wins this election. Good for him. This man left his TV show to he's a very passionate man. I've watched him on TV for a long time. This is crazy, this lock they have on New York City. Thank you, Gail. I appreciate your call very much. Thank you. Victor East Brunswick, how are you this morning, Victor? Good morning, uh, James. It really is a sad morning, not a good morning. Uh, I want to say to you that you are a credit to Rush Limbaugh's legacy. Also, I want to bring to the focus is your station's owner, Mr. Katsumasini, for allowing voices such as yourself. Katsumatidis, uh, yes. John yes, Katz. Uh, broadcast, yes, John, uh, broadcast on the radio. Also, Bob Grant said once these miscreants serve notice on society that they should be removed. Also, the fifth columnist, George Soros, and his minions, such as Bragg, are under, he can't change the laws of this country. So what he's doing via these minions, such as Bragg, is circumventing uh, our laws and allowing these criminals to run rampant uh, in society. And also, uh, old Sparky should be reactivated, not with Tesla, but with uh, Edison's electricity. And this criminal that murdered those two cops uh, this morning, which triggered my call to you, should be forced to watch the movie The Long Green Line as to what he can expect. Uh, from society. Wow. So, and I would also add to take a look at Bragg's bank bank book and see how much money that Soros has put not only to his campaign but in his in his bank. Account. We don't. I look. I, I don't want to make aspersions against people like Alvin Bragg that where we don't have facts. I don't want to start speculating like that. Let's stick with what we know. <clears throat> and I, I want to give Alvin Bragg the same respect that I would give anybody else, and that is not to slander them. I my criticisms of Alvin Bragg are based on what he has said and what he has done. It is entirely correct to point out that Soros is behind many of the rise of these progressive district attorneys. But I think it's important that we do not slander people. And by the way, you just sparked something in me. Um, I have been all week upset with the number of congressional uh, black uh, uh, the congressional black caucus who've gone out with this race baiting thing. There was a speech. That was made in the middle of this that I found inspiring from a Democrat, somewhat inspiring. And that would be Raphael War- Warnock, the the Democrat governor, uh, I'm sorry, senator from Georgia. His comments toward the end of his speech, he, yeah, he did the same old, you know, on this whole John Lewis voting bill. But then toward the end of his speech, and I'm going to try to get it for next week, he actually talked about being hopeful about where America was, who its people were, and he linked the idea of prayer and voting in a way that I've never heard before. And I think that it was an inspiring speech to listen to, and to some degree, I was inspired for it. In fact, I'd like to talk with uh, Senator Raphael Warnock at some point, Um, and I think it's worth listening to. I'm going to try to dig it out next week. I just wanted to mention 
to mention that to you. Uh, Victor, thank you for the call so very much. Let us go to uh, Jamie in Florida. What part of Florida are you calling from, Jamie? Uh, hi, Mr. Snurdy. I am from Ocala, Florida. From Ocala, Florida. What's on your mind, Jamie? I wanted to thank you very much for taking up this subject because I think everything is race. So I think that you speaking so clearly about this situation uh, it's going to really help matters or at least open up the conversation, which really needs to be had. Um, thank you, Jamie. So I, Jamie, on. we have a bad phone line, so I just want to thank you. We did hear most of what you said. Thank you for the call. I hope we hear from you again when we have a better line and we can have a more extended conversation. Let's go to Rockland County and Karen. Welcome, Karen. Welcome, WABC. We have a break. Okay, Kev, uh, Bruce, I'm sorry. Let's let's go to the break. We'll be back. We'll try to get as many of your calls in as possible. James Golden, I, I lost track. I'm sorry. I'm just anxious to talk to as many of you as I can. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. We'll be right back after this. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Meatloaf brings us back on WABC Talk Radio 77. I would do anything for love. Do I understand that sentiment? I think we all do. And our condolences to the family of Meatloaf, an original American rocker. God rest his soul in peace. Let us return back to the phones in the few moments that we have. Karen, Rockland County, New York, welcome. What's on your mind this morning? I want to express sympathy to that officer. I grew up in Inwood. And it was a you know nice, nice, nice neighborhood when I was growing there. But that letter that he wrote about why he became a cop, the polit- uh, Democratic politicians in Washington, in New York, they should all be forced to listen to that letter and the uh, Green Mile. Are you familiar with the uh, movie The Green Book? Yeah, I'm, I've heard of it. I have not seen it. No, it's a terrific movie that shows black-white relationship in a positive way. But they should be forced to listen to those two things for 24 hours and even longer than that. So maybe the message will sink into some of their heads. And number two, uh, our governor, she's worrying about losing her base for the election. I wouldn't vote for someone like that who doesn't live up to their, uh, you know, the moral consciousness to take care of the city. She should be firing that album, Alvin Bragg. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate the call. And that is a sentiment that a lot of people are expressing, that they are very unhappy with what uh, Alvin Bragg has said that he wants to do, which will not protect the people of New York. Ralph and New Rochelle, WABC Talk Radio 77, welcome. What's on your mind? Good morning, Mr. Golden. I just want to let you know, I think these politicians, prosecutors, DAs, think that they're correcting the injustices of the past by watering down these laws, but they're doing it at the expense of our future. They don't realize that. And, and and that letter that the young policeman wrote, they should send a copy to every school children in the city and let these school children read it. So when I grow up and they realize what their duty should be as a citizen, that's what goes on in this town. Thank you. 
Sal, Long Island, WABC Talk Radio 77. What's on your mind? Susan, Pennsylvania, WABC Talk Radio 77. Hi, Susan. Welcome. What's on your mind? Hey, Bo. Last night, Eric Adams asked for help uh, in fighting this crime. And a year before he asked for it, Officer Ramos responded. Now, will Eric Adams help the police? Thank you. Thank you. You know, everyone has referred to this letter that our rookie New York police officer, Jason Rivera, wrote. Very thoughtful letter on why he wanted to become a New York City police officer. Here he is, 22 years old now. He is taken from his family. He's taken from his wife. He's taken from the city that he swore an oath to protect and gave his life protecting. His life taken by a convicted criminal who should have never been out of jail like so many other criminals who are walking the streets of New York City at this very moment picking out targets that they are going to prey on. These things don't happen by accident. This leniency based in this false premise that racial politics trumps all that have been promoted by progressives is actually killing people in New York City. It is killing people in every city in America, actually. If there's one thing that is sure, and that has been proven sure throughout history, it is that criminal behavior must be, if a society is going to be safe, not tolerated. there has to be a line of distinction between what is right and what is wrong that is bright and that people recognize. The lines, thanks to progressives, has become blurred. And Officer Jason Rivera has paid for that with his life. Our condolences and prayers to the family of Officer Jason Rivera, 22 years old, who gave his life for New York City. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, here with you. WABC Talk Radio 77. I'll be back on Monday at 4 o'clock. We are the greatest city in the world. We have so much work to do in the greatest nation humanity has ever witnessed. America. God, protect and bless all of us and our families. <laughs>